Good morning. Welcome to our church. Yep. Okay. Say it loud. Tell no, they'll, they'll stop when you talk. Good morning. Welcome to our church. Welcome to our church. We're delighted to have you here for worship. Old friends and new are invited to pick up the friendship pad at the end of your row and pass it to everyone. Please sign your name so that we're aware of your presence and we can all greet each other by our names uh, here in at Fellowship Hall. If you wish to talk to a Stephen minister confidentially, the Stephen minister on duty today is Alice O'Dwyer, and she'll be available in the Narthex um, or Fellowship Hall wearing a special blue name tag, or if you see any of our uh, members with a blue name tag, you're welcome to talk to them confidentially. Be sure to take a look in the bulletin today for announcements. Um, most importantly for this little one up here, um, Sunday, June 14th, you'll see an announcement for our Peace in the Kingdom. Thank you to Miss Dee Holmes for coordinating that. Um, you'll also see on the logo board a list of the kids' pictures as well as their names and the roles they'll be playing. So be sure to be here June 14th at 10 a.m. for that. Um, and there's also announcements around Optimus and others in the bulletin, so be sure to see them. And I'd like to invite Ed Oliver up who has a special announcement. Morning, everybody. Sunday, May 31st. Look at that weather. Oh, seriously? I'm here to talk to you guys about uh, our second annual golf outing, which is going to be May 8th, or May 8th, June 8th, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's at an executive course called Winding Creek. It's going to cost you an expensive $8 to play, uh, to play uh, nine holes. And afterwards, we're going to have a little scramble and social, as I call it. You take the best ball from the best golfer on the course, and everybody hits from there. And then afterwards, we'll have a um, Coca-Cola and a burger at Champs. So those of you who would like, um, my name, my number is in the bulletin. Uh, please feel free to give me a call or their sign-up sheets for the next couple Sundays out here in Fellowship Hall. And uh, everybody I see wearing long shirts, uh, not, not good today, but anyhow... Let's look ahead. Hopefully some will be better. Catch you all later. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Are there any other special announcements? Okay, we'll begin our service with the prelude.
Good morning. Please join me in the responsive call to worship you'll find printed in your bulletin. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Let us worship God. Join me in the prayer of the day, friends. Holy, 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 holy God, all, all the earth is full of your, of your majesty. majesty. The, the lightning flashes a sign of your creative voice. Thunder, thunder resounds with the magnitude of your power and strength. 
The rains fall as a reminder of your gentle refreshment. The sun shines in testimony to the warmth of your love. All creation is your temple. None can hide from you. Exposed to your grandeur and led by your spirit, we give you all praise and honor, God of our lives. Amen. Anyone here perfect? Thought so? Please join me in the prayer of confession. Source of redeeming grace and infinite goodness, bear us as Christ we pray for forgiveness. While you reach out to us in fellowship, we turn from you in shame. We do not do what you command. We proclaim not your love since we seldom serve others. We confess Christ as Savior, yet obey him indifferently, if at all. Our discipleship suffers, for we heed not your guidance. We are in need of repentance as we confess our sins. Have mercy upon us and grant us your pardon. After Isaiah confessed his uncleanness, a seraph flew to him carrying a burning coal from the altar. The seraph touched Isaiah and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. The sacrifice of Christ at the altar of God's eternal grace has touched our lives, and we too can rest in the assurance of God's pardon. seated, friends. All right, I realize now that God is more prophetic than we could have ever thought. The rains fall as a reminder of your gentle refreshment. That was in the prayer of the day. We all prayed that. I wrote that a week ago, friends. Sorry. But it does do a remarkable thing for us, doesn't it? It reminds us of God's providence and God's answers coming to us in unexpected places. Our gospel lesson for today has perhaps the most well-known line in all of the Old and New Testament, but we often wonder, what's the backstory? What was Jesus, what's what's the question that Jesus was answering? And how can we understand in greater context how we might live and move and baptize in all of God's being? I invite you to hear God's word to you from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can you enter a second time into your mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. 
What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished when I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have the joy of inviting our young people up into the chancel. Come sit with me on the stairs, friends. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. I love it how everybody emerges. Some may think that you're too small to figure this all out, but I don't think so. I bet you guys can answer lots of questions, like this one, this tough question. What's this? An apple. Okay. Here's the other tough question. Yes, I have a cutting board. Don't worry, I'm not cutting the stairs. Now what is this? A fourth. A fourth. Yeah, that's right. A fourth of what? An apple. So it's still an apple, right? Yeah. And this apple, cut into fourths, has three parts. The peel... The flesh, yummy. As a matter of fact, do you guys want some? You want some apple? Pass it around. Pass it around. Here. Pass it on down. So you've, you've got three parts to this apple. Pass the basket back. This side needs some too. Here's some of the three parts to the apple. You've got peel, flesh, and the core. And the core has some seeds in it. But... The peel, the flesh, and the core, it's still what? Apple. Apple, right. This is Trinity Sunday. We're trying to figure out what this funky word called the Trinity is. Some people say, just like peel, flesh, and apple, Trinity is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? Some people also call God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Other people say about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they call them Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. But no matter what name you put to those three different personae, it's still the Trinity. Just like this apple. Interesting, huh? The peel isn't a plum or a peach. It's still an apple. The flesh 
isn't a banana or a grape. It's still an apple. The core isn't a watermelon, even though it, the core has seeds in it like a watermelon has seeds. It's still an apple. So no matter how you call the Trinity, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, it's still the Trinity. What happens when you take one of these seeds and plant it? It grows an apple tree, right, Addie? It absolutely grows a beautiful apple tree. And when that apple tree is strong and healthy, what does it produce? More apples. Same thing with the Trinity. When you plant God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit in other people or in other places and other situations, when you find, or when God plants or finds God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit planted in other places, do you know what comes forth from that? Fruits of the Spirit. Just like fruit of the tree is your apple, fruits of the Spirit. So you get peace, joy, love, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, humility, and self-control all from the seed that God sows from the Trinity. So you're going to find that apple, that trinity, everywhere you look. And the more you look for it, the more you find it. Like today, we even have from Jesus the authority that tells us that we're supposed to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. So that Trinitarian language is in our baptism language in the great commission that we're given by Jesus himself. Now I see a a whole set of three pews filled with Simmons and family and Simmons and Svensons and I bet they're ready to come forth and do a very special thing. Would you guys help us? Can we scoot down this way? And we will watch this very special baptism. And while the Simmons Svensons are coming forward, I have a Trinity poem that I want to read to you all. Did you guys get your apples? You didn't get your apples. Here, get your apples. Come on down. Come on down. I've got a Trinity poem that I want to read to you. This is from Alexander Carmichael. He's a Scottish Islands and Highlands poet. And here's what he writes about the Trinity. The little drop of the Father on thy little forehead, beloved one. The little drop of the Son on thy little forehead, beloved one. The little drop of the Spirit on thy little forehead, beloved one. To aid thee from the phase, to guard thee from the host, to aid thee from the gnome, to shield thee from the specter, to keep thee for the three, to shield thee, to surround thee, to save thee for the three, to fill thee with the graces. The little drop of the three, to love thee with the graces. Welcome, Svensons. Welcome, Simmons. The elder present for this baptism is Grandpa Hezekiah Simmons. Good morning, church. Morning. On behalf of the session, I present Logan Daniel Svensson, son of Daniel Svensson and Jennifer Simmons Svensson, to receive the sacrament of baptism. And we also present this water. Uh, You'll find that I've just put a few drops in here. It's H2O. It's nothing really particularly special, except these drops came directly from the Jordan River where our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized. And to that we add the water of Pittsford, not from the canal. (laughs) 
so that we might see that God is good and cleans us. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Know that the promises of God are for you. By baptism, God puts his sign on you to show that you belong to him, and he gives you Holy Spirit as a guarantee that sharing Christ's reconciling work, you also share in Christ's victory, that dying with Christ to sin, we are raised with him to new life. As you present Logan for baptism, you have announced your faith in Christ to say that you want Logan to study him, know him, love him, and serve him as a disciple. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you? Do you intend your son to be a disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love to you? Hesse, you have a question for the congregation? I ask the congregation to please rise. Do you, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Logan Daniel to know and follow Jesus Christ? and your prayer and ministry to help him to grow in understanding that he may know the Master's love and receive the tender care of the church. Do you? We do. You can all be seated. Daniel, you're going to hold for this baptism? Bring your son over closer and give me your son's complete Christian name. Logan Daniel Svensson, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you think he'll come to me? Just place him with his backside to me. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. This is Logan. Daniel Svensson. I just thought if you got a better look at him, it might assist you in your desire to be faithful to the promises that are so easy to say and much harder to keep. Yeah. Please pray with me. Ever-living God, in your mercy, you promise not only to be our God, but also, be the, also to be the God of our children. We thank you for receiving Logan Daniel by baptism. Keep him always in your love. Guide him as he grows in faith. Protect him in all of the dangers and temptations of life, and please bring him, please, to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and be his faithful disciple to his life's end. Gracious God, giver of all life, we also pray for parents Daniel and Jennifer. Give them wisdom and patience to guide their son in the way of Jesus Christ 
and the faith of the church. Let your peace and joy dwell in their home, that their family life may be instructed by faith, strengthened by prayer, and governed by love. Strengthen them, O Lord, in their own baptism, that they might rejoice as people of God and serve you faithfully as the model Christ's love to their children. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Hesie, I can use your help, and we'll, we'll get these. This is a blanket. This uh, was made by Presbyterian women here at the church, and just as you have that, it's nice and soft, and uh, might remind you that the church uh, cares and is wrapped in love with uh, Logan. And a certificate of baptism and uh, a candle. Um, candles were burned, by the way, during the first century when people were baptized. And uh, then they were relit at that person's funeral to indicate that the Holy Spirit had been present throughout their entire lifetime. I just thought it would be a good reminder to you of this day and the promises that are made and um, your desire that the light of Christ might be a part of Logan's life. God bless you all. Thank you. And you want to go to Sunday school? That would be great. Thank you for coming up. I am convinced that the great theological mind of the Bible is really Jesus. Much of his teaching is simple, but so profound. And yet you ask most people, and they will tell you the theological genius of the Bible is the Apostle Paul. Well, at least he writes with the most complicated language and sometimes has these long descriptions, and we're going to be reading one of those from this great work, the book of Romans. Listen for the word of God. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirits that we are all children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
the Trinity is mysterious. But we can go back to the prophet Isaiah when he writes about his encounter with this unbelievable God, this infinite Lord. And in that telling, we get that wonderful invitation and answer from which we remember and sing, Here I am, Lord. I invite you to hear God's calling to each of us. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. The word of the Lord. Thanks.
Hi, we're, we're God. God. I'm the Father. I'm the Son. And I'm the Holy Spirit. We're the, the three, three in one. one. The, the Trinity. Trinity. I've never seen the name Trinity in the Bible. That's, That's because, because it, it isn't, isn't there. there. Then how did you get that name? Well, you see, I'm in the Bible. And I'm in the Bible, too. Me, too. I mean, me, three. You see, people invented the name to try to explain the three parts of God. But I've learned that there's only one God. That's, That's true. true. But there's three of you in there. I'm confused. Well, the fact of the matter is, we're just too complicated for humans to understand. But here's the basics of it. The Jews knew that there was just one God, and the early Christian church continued in that belief. But those early Christians had also experienced me as Jesus of Nazareth. I appeared on earth in fully human form, but I am also always fully God. And they also experienced Pentecost. You remember when I came along and made the disciples speak in many different languages and lots of people were baptized? I get it. The early church realized that God is three different people and invented the word Trinity. No, not really. See, we're, we're, we're still one substance with three different personae. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. One body, but three different people? Sounds a bit schizophrenic to me. I told you it was hard for humans to understand. All right, let me try it another way. It's kind of like Bruce. To his congregation, he's Pastor Bruce. To his wife, Martha, he's husband. And to Josh and Meredith, he's father. Well, kind of. That sort of explains things. So you each have your own specialized jobs. God the Father is creator. You made the earth. But we were there too. Yes, didn't you notice that in Genesis chapter 1 it says, then, then God said, let us make humankind in our image, plural, not singular. That's me and the kid we're talking about. <laughs> All three of us were there when the earth was created. And the Gospel of John tells you, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's me. I am the Word. I brought the Word of God to earth. I am the human image of God. I came to show you all how much God loves you. I am the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah. All three of us have always existed. Okay, so you've always been together. But God's more important, right? God's the boss, and you two do what you're told. No way. We're all equal. We're all God. My job as the Holy Spirit is just as important. I unite men and women with God. I am the eternal power of God, the sustainer. So why are three different personae important to me? It would be much easier if there was just one of you. But in a way, we can be a perfect example to all of you because we love each other perfectly. We know each other perfectly. We understand each other perfectly. You sound like the ideal family. Well, that's one way of looking at it. We're the perfect partnership. When you love someone perfectly, the whole focus of the relationship is the mutual love between you and your relationship with humanity. We are perfection. 
We have a perfect relationship with, with each other and with humanity. The Trinity also shows us the true nature of love. We, God, want you to know that we plan to continue our, relation, our loving relationship with one another and with all of our creation. Through me, Jesus Christ. With my eternal power. So we should be striving for that perfect relationship with each other, especially with our spouses and our children. Absolutely. And don't forget your relationship with every other human being we created. Everyone is a child of God. God loves you so much that he gave me to save all of you. So you need to strive for that perfect love of other people. I'll give you the strength to get out there and do some mission work, tell other people about God through your actions. You know, preach constantly, and if necessary, use words. Well, we really have to go. We've We've got got prayers prayers to hear. Requests to grant. Miracles to perform. Prodigal children to deal with. And the credit and thanks goes to Jeanette for having written that piece several years ago. She prepared it for fish food when we had an evening worship service. And she allowed us to resurrect it today. Thank you, Jeanette. And to Judy Messenger for having directed us so that we would have our cool Trinitarian shirts and the lovely symbol that she did for us. And to Rochelle and to Jonathan for Jonathan's getting up very early to be here for the 830 service as well. And to pull that one off. Trinity Sunday. It comes around every year. And the church has been putting this emphasis for about 700 years now on celebrating the mystery of the Trinity. We sing the words of my favorite hymn, which is now number one in the hymnal. And we're reminded that God in three persons, blessed Trinity. But as you heard from Jeanette's writing... The Bible doesn't even once mention the name or the word Trinity. So Trinitarian, Unitarian, what's up with that and what's the big difference? How does this help our daily living? How does this mean that we're going to balance our needs, balance our wants, balance how we can be good servant leaders in a world that has entirely different priorities? It's a good question. Do you happen to remember the musical Cats? It's one of my favorite plays, and it was the longest-running Broadway play until Phantom of the Opera overtook it. Way back in 1985, my high school took its theater, its theater and speech teams to New York for, four day, for three days. I'm sorry. We saw four Broadway plays and all the sights of Manhattan and had a blast, but by far the memory that sticks with me the most was going to see the musical Cats. It was written by T.S. Eliot, who was himself an American. Many people forget that because he became so anglicized and quite the anglophone later in life. And he started out as a Unitarian, but converted to Anglicism, and his Trinitarian theology comes through in everything that he writes. As a matter of fact, Cats really is an exploration of Christianity. 
Because if you think about the storyline, which is this group of cats coming together, trying to figure out who is going to be able to ascend to the heavy side layer at the end, and then Grisella is the cat that is named to, to ascend to the heavy side layer. The, the play itself is peppered with all kinds of theological names in terms like Deuteronomy is one of the cats. And these cats come together and talk about their understanding of the Trinity. T.S. Eliot, in the second number of the musical, wrote this poem about the naming of cats. Here are the Trinitarian tones in it. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday canes. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family uses daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo, or James, such as Victor or Jonathan, George or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible, everyday names. There are fancier names if you think they sound sweeter, some for the gentlemen, some for the dames, such as Plato, Admetus, Electra, Demeter, but all of them still sensible, everyday names. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, else a name that's peculiar and more dignified, Else how can he keep up his tail perpendicular, or spread out his whiskers, or cherish his pride? On names of this kind I can give you a quorum, such as Munkenstow Strap, Quaxo, a coracle pat, such as Bumbularina, or perhaps Jellyorum. Names that never belong to more than one cat. But above and beyond, there's still one name left over, and that is the name you never will guess. The name that no human research can discover. But the cat himself knows and will never confess. When you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason, I tell you, is always the same. His mind is engaged in rapt contemplation of the thought, of the thought, of the thought of his name, his ineffable, effable, effable, and ineffable, deep and inscrutable, singular name. Many years after writing this poem, T.S. Eliot commented on his religious views, saying he combined a Catholic cast of mind, a Calvinist heritage, and a puritanical temperament. He also had wider spiritual interests, commenting that, quote, I see the path of progress for modern man in his occupation with his own self, with his inner being, and then with his relationship with other selves. Eliot saw the importance of an, our engaging with the others, of God's good creation all around us. He saw being Trinitarian as being in tune with God's desire for us to be in relationship with one another. And this call to relationship makes our exploration of the Trinity all the more relevant today. Now, you might have heard this quote, the devil's in the details, but I contend that nuance, subtlety, and abiding beauty is frequently found or lost in the details. Everything from baking a cake to launching a shuttle is dependent upon details. Even a simple little comma can change the meaning of something entirely Maybe you've heard the story of a woman many years ago 
She was visiting in Paris when she came across this beautiful painting that could be had for the bargain price of only $150,000. She immediately sent a telegram to her husband in New York saying that she absolutely loved the painting and would he possibly consider giving it to her for Christmas. He replied by asking that the following telegram be sent. No, comma, price too high. The clerk at Western Union, however, made a slight error in omission, and the message that came through, of course, was, no price too high. <laughs> the meaning was entirely reversed for the lack of a comma. Now, something like that was going on in the year 325 in the Common Era, when the Emperor Constantine called together 317 bishops from all over the Christian world to settle the question of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Was Christ just simply another great prophet and teacher, even a high-ranking angel from God, or was he the divine son of God, co-equal and co-eternal with God? The debate at the Council of Nicaea is what gives us the expression, it doesn't matter one iota. Iota, of course, being the Greek letter for I, that small little symbol. And if we hadn't had this debate over this small Greek letter, then there wouldn't have been this ongoing question. You see, Bishop Athanasius of Alexandria came off to many as an obnoxious stickler for detail. The group led by Athanasius wanted to use the term homoousius to describe Jesus. It was used in a phrase which meant Christ was of one substance with the Father. The other group, led by a bishop named Arius, wanted to use the term homoousius. That's where the iota comes in, the homoiousius, which means Christ was of like substance with the Father. So what's the big deal with Athanasius and this little iota? Homoousius, homoiousius, same substance, like substance. Athanasius would not fare well in any of our church meetings today when we get really upset with people when they're arguing over the details. And as a matter of fact, he didn't fare well in his own time. He was considered a troublemaker by Constantine and his successors and was banished from Alexandria, not once, not twice, but five times. So did it matter? Well, ultimately, Athanasius did not live to see the triumph of his position. But there are many who credit Athanasius with preserving the Christian faith. The issue here was whether Jesus Christ was the unique, fully divine, incarnate Son of God, as the Nicene Creed states, states it. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Or was he simply another person? Albeit a good person, but not God become flesh. Well, you see, finally Athanasius and his followers prevailed in the Nicene Creed, and it expresses our faith today in the most widely accepted statement of Christian faith in churches around the world. As a matter of fact, it's the only creed that both the Eastern and the Western churches can agree upon today. One iota matters. So the Trinity's relevance can be seen today in the difference between being religious and being spiritual. Okay, how many times have you heard your friends say, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious? Well, to be religious is to take a risk. It's to be in communion and in relationship with all of God's creation. And we're tricky beings to be in relationship with if we admit it to ourselves. Yes, it's a risk to be in that kind of a relationship. But the rewards, 
They're grand. They're beyond expression. I can't think of the countless times where we've been in funerals or tragedies or long periods of trials where we've said to one another, what would we have done without this family of faith? The Trinity's relevance can also be seen in the discussions about pluralism and interfaith dialogue and tolerance in our schools. You see, if God is in relationship with God's self and all of God's creation, then why shouldn't we be in relationship with all of God's creation? The Trinity's relevance can also be seen in the rising number of nuns, not the ones with the flying habits, but the nuns who say, I have no particular religious affiliation. Or, even more shockingly, the new term that's come out is the duns. Stick a fork in them, they're done with religion. They're out of here. Those numbers of nuns or duns are, are growing. But what I would ask is, had these nuns and duns had a true opportunity to experience the agape love of Jesus Christ in a community where relationship is valued and honored and encouraged, even past transgressions and hurt feelings? Our lectionary calendar puts so much importance on the concept of the Trinity that we annually set aside this Sunday where we put out white, not just for a fabulous baptism, but also for Trinity Sunday. And this is the last you're going to see of white, red, or purple for 20 more Sundays while we march through ordinary time. That's how important this concept is. This Trinitarian God is in loving relationship with God's self, creator, redeemer, and sustainers. So consequently, God's love for us is intimately relational. And this has several important consequences for our daily lives. First, we can relate to God in a very personal way. The shortest, simplest definition of who God is is from the Bible in 1 John 4, 8. God is love. And because God loves, our fundamental relationships are premised on that understanding of love. Because God is relational, intimacy is possible. We can be in relationship with the God who loves us and shows us perfect, forgiving, redeeming, sacrificing love. Not easy stuff, but it is perfect. And we can attempt to imitate that perfect love in our own relationships with all of God's creation, just like Jonathan, Rochelle, Judy, and Jeanette showed us today. And secondly, since we affirm that we are made in the image of God, our own value is rooted in this Trinitarian God. Our worth, what we think of ourselves, or even what we think others think of us, is not dependent upon anything else but the love of God that is perfected and exemplified in this Trinitarian relationship. Our thoughts about ourselves others about us, our own circumstances, that doesn't tell us our merit. Finally, just as Rochelle the Spirit said, God has given us the strength to get out there and do mission. And if you have to, use some words. Now that sounds an awful lot like the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We may never fully comprehend the mystery of the Trinity, and I hope we don't. Where else, then, would we have great artists who give us paper cuts 
artists who give us poetry or music. I hope we never fully comprehend the mystery of the Trinity, but we can hold on to the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, the humility, and the self-control that are the fruits that come from better understanding, seeking after, and following this Trinitarian God who loves us so very much. We're grateful to Carrie for helping us understand the nature of the Trinity. And grateful to God, so we use this printed prayer. You beckon us to follow you, O Christ, and to proclaim our salvation to all people everywhere. We are like Isaiah, hearing God's voice and responding, Hear my, send me. We offer ourselves at the threshold of your sanctuary to be sent forth in ministry as the Holy Spirit will guide us. Amen. I have two short announcements. And one is, if you weren't here last week and you want to examine the paper cut, which we're going to hang later, you can take a look at this. It's a paper cut that uh, Nevin Fisher brought with him from China. Some of you know that he has written his Ph.D. thesis on the growth of the Christian church in China. And this was 
cut by one woman. It's an incredible piece of artwork, and we'll be hanging it later. And our hope is that next year we'll be able to do a mission trip to China, and we're planning that now. Um, Secondly, if um, you are wondering about your own finances and looking for information, Mr. Ed Lipinski should be up in room 201 about 1130 today, and there'll be some additional food up there. It's not a real lunch, but it's enough to tide you over for an extra 45 minutes when he's here. That's good news. And I think this is perhaps one of the few Sundays where the prayers that I have to share with you are all good news as well. The first of which, Cal Graziano, congratulations on your graduation, albeit a few years later. The backstory on this is that Cal went last weekend to Cornell's graduation thinking that he was just going to celebrate just. He was going to celebrate his granddaughter's master's degree. He arrives there, his son and daughter-in-law, and the dean hand him a cap, robe, and gown and say, this is your graduation, Cal. In 1954, you weren't able to walk the stage because you were getting married to Diane and then going off to serve in the Marines. And so with a little bit of backstory, they worked together to make certain that you would be honored. Congratulations, Cal. We also shared the good news in the 830 worship service that Liz Mahalso's son, or excuse me, brother, for whom we have been praying for some time, both the brother and the brother's son had been in need of heart replacements. The brother's son had gotten a heart replacement about a year ago, and just this week, Liz's brother also got a replacement heart, and he is doing well. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Lots of miracles that we can give thanks for. Alice O'Dwyer tells us that her daughter Pam McGann is doing well is holding stably and is appreciating the B12 supplementation that's allowing her to have a little bit more energy. So we give thanks and praise and good travels to you, Alice, when you go back to see her in June. We're also celebrating with the Churchills today 18 years of wedded bliss. Congratulations, Dave and Joanne. And may your, he- your foot heal, Joanne, before you go off to Hawaii as quickly as possible. We're also giving thanks and praise for the lovely flowers in our chancel, celebrating what would have been Bob Miller's birthday. We give thanks and praise for the love and the life that inspires such beauty. Friends, please join me in prayer. O God of Revelation, who chose not to remain apart from your people, but sent Jesus into the world to enlighten us, we give thanks that in Christ we can know you, and through him find favor as we worship you in thought, word, and deed. By Christ we are taught what it means to obey you, He remained faithful in spite of persecution at the hands of his enemies. He sacrificed his own life so that those who believe in him might inherit your promise of life everlasting. Give us such courage and conviction so that in his name we can act with compassion. In scripture, the witness of those you have sought to be faithful leads us. We give you thanks for their testimony to the truth of your presence. You spoke through the scribes as they recorded the commandments. You filled the poets with inspiration as they penned their songs of praise and thanksgiving. You gave the prophets dreams of eternal salvation and visions of your awesome judgment as they called the chosen people to account for their actions. We stand in succession with men and women of all generations, prophets, priests, disciples and teachers, parents and guardians who testify to your truth. And we are bold to pray for all of God's children, 
May we know the consolation of your love and the enthusiasm for sharing it with others. Give us encouragement to share your good news. We pray it in the name of the risen Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Trinity with you, friends. That perfect relationship, that perfect love, let it flow through you and out into a world that needs to know of it. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each and every one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.